0: It's great to be here on the podcast again with uh, Stephen McManus, reserve team coach at Celtic. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Donald. How are you doing? You well? Hi.
1: Good, good. How are you getting on in this lockdown? Um, We're we're well. Uh, Family are all keeping safe and healthy, which is the most important thing. Um, The same as everybody else, there's been challenges that nobody nobody felt as if they would ever have to face. But um, no, we're all good. There's, There's certainly been a lot of positives. You've, it's been a good time to sit down and reflect Donald that's yeah. the one thing that I felt as if um, it's been really good for just to look at how your season's went what, what you can improve on as a coach as an individual try and gain as much knowledge as you possibly can and it's been nice to actually spend a bit of time with the family as well because we've, no, we've never had the chance to do that for a long period of time I know that
0: that's that's something that's so true isn't it I, I don't think I've been home as much in about 30 years as, as man. You know, I've I have,
1: been on the road Absolutely. Donald, you know I said that to my wife. This is probably the first time that we've spent as much time as this for we've been for we've been young kids. Um so it's been nice. It's been it's been nice to see the spend a bit of time with the children as well. Don't get me wrong, the homeschooling, I've completely left to my wife. So um when the of summer holidays came about, it was it was nice I that know. she got to put the books away. So um but no, it's been like I say, it's been a challenging challenging time for everybody and, and, and you need to be very uh appreciative of, of the things that you've got, and the most important thing was everybody keeping safe and healthy, and yeah. hopefully we can, everybody can get through it. Yeah, great.
0: So, tell me a little bit about, you know, how you got into football as a kid. Did, can you remember when you when you, you thought, oh, this, I love this? Can you remember
1: the I, period where you got into I, it? I think it's probably similar, Donald, to a lot of the other uh, lads of our generation as yeah. such. The, the, there wasn't a lot else to do for us yeah. back then when we were younger, but it was just constantly football, you know. Back then, you were always at the streets. We never had, at that young age, kind of thing, maybe five and six, you never had computers to, to sit in front of a screen to to play all day. We were always out playing in the street. You were always in the kind of street that I was brought up on. I've got an older sister who's four years older than me, and just the way the, the, the street was, the boys on our street were four years older than me. Yeah. And the kind of girls as such were my age, so I ended up playing with older with older kids in the street, which the, the boys in my street, it was football constantly.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and as you develop, as your skills then develop, you go and train next to, you go and train with different clubs from a young age, but you're probably only training with them an hour and a half a week, or sorry, an hour and a half a day, and the rest of the, the certainly in summer holidays and all sorts of holidays, you're, you're spending your time on the, on the streets, playing with the ball constantly. And I was no different.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting, Stephen. I spoke to so many people where, A, there's the whole street football thing and just playing with your mates on the street or behind yeah. the school or whatever so important. But you mentioned that there as well. like So many guys end up playing with guys older than you, themselves as well. And do you think when you look back now, did... did that was that useful for you in, in terms of
1: your physicality and having to learn as you go? I think one of the things that, that, that you certainly don't realise, I never realised, I knew I was good because you, the older ones accepted you to play. But yeah. with that came with, with a lot of challenges that stand you in good stead for, for the future. Like you said, you were a lot smaller than everybody else, but you had no fear. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and you ended up playing against... Lads for different kind of estates or schemes or whatever yeah. it was, and and it was great. What what played a big part in our kind of lives growing up, Donald? Believe it or not, we had a lot of which, when I look back now, it was incredible. So Jimmy Johnson stayed in the street below right. us, yeah. And 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 a guy called Johnny Hamilton, who played with Angels, actually stayed in our street. So at at, at that time, you know, they were it was completely normal for us to see. Jimmy running the streets with, with, a, with a bin bag on or a sweat, yeah. a, a sweat top on or whatever. Yeah. So in the area that we're in, looking back, it's incredible to think that you've had one of the greatest ever players that he's yeah. produced and he was running about the streets while you were playing on the streets. I know. But he was just known as as, as, as Jimmy. He wasn't, yeah. you know, you, you, don't, you knew obviously that he was grown up a Celtic fan you knew all about him but he was it was yeah. he was no different for anybody else in the street which when I look back now it's it's incredible to think that
2: yeah yeah and
1: very I, I doubt if that would happen nowadays it might happen now and again but I don't know absolutely I mean you would you would never ever have it would never, but, but that was the norm and, and, and we had a big grass area it was called the gully that we used to yeah. and it was funny because when Wimbledon was on you were up playing in the streets uh, and, and I, again we, we, we speak a lot about I think it's multi-sports is, a, is, a, is, is so, such an important aspect in developing young people nowadays yeah. I, we try and do it with our children as well and you want to get them into as many things as you possibly can so when we were younger Wimbledon was on the telly you'd be playing tennis in the street yeah. when the golf was on you were up the park yeah. up playing golf, so it was, you were always, you were always out in the street honing your skills at any sort of sport that you could.
0: I know, that is, is so true, when you're speaking there, I remember, you know, at Wimbledon fortnight, you know, as you say, when everyone was out, and at my age it was certainly, you know, you were out, I remember when Borg appeared as well, and then everyone started trying two-handed backhands
2: for <laughs> For us, it was, you get the
1: chalk, you used to get the chalk, and you used to write the, you write the yeah. quote, and then. In, in the street, but it was it was even when you look back now, to what we are developing. We played copy doubles constantly, yeah. you know. Yeah. Which, which in effect, it's one v ones, it's two yeah. v twos, it's three v twos, and yeah. and and and, and, shoot, and that's what I'm saying. That's when you learn your, that's when you hone your skills as a as, yeah. as a young player. Even with the surface that you're on, you know you're playing. Definitely, a copy, so you need to work on your yeah. balance because you don't want to fall. Because when you yeah. fell. You would end up ultimately skin your knees, you'd hurt yeah. your elbows, so without even realizing that you're working in your core, you're working yeah. in your in your balance, which I think is a great grounding, we
2: yeah.
1: we weren't lucky enough to play in grass pitches everywhere. I remember certainly we were boys' club. I played the Aberdeen Boys Club in yeah. Blantyre, and our home pitches were, were at Blantyre Sports Centre, which yeah. was four Ash Parks. We used to go to Aberdeen and we would we would go to down to the borders and Scottish Cup day yeah. and a there was a grass pitch we nets It was like Christmas morning. You, uh-huh, I'm sure, you couldn't believe the difference. <laughs> so that's how we were brought up. Yeah, brilliant.
0: And when did you realise, you know, that you wanted to be a player? You know, you wanted to be a pro player. Did you always have that, or was there a moment you thought, "Oh, I'm going to do this for a living"?
1: No, even back, even again, when you were younger, Donald. You don't really. You don't really look at it saying you're going to do it for a living yeah. as such, because I never, yeah. had no idea that you would have get paid.
2: Yeah, football, well, you'd have. Yeah.
1: You had no idea. What I realised is that I loved the game, it, whether it was on the telly. Yeah, you were watching games on the telly, like I said. My family have grew up big Celtic fans as well. My my, my dad was a a Patrick Thistle fan. He says yeah. at times, but. So you were, it take me. I would go to Celtic games, I'd go to Partick Thistle games. If, if either team was away from home, it would take you and watch the local pub team that was playing. So every Saturday in my life, it was spent going to watch football matches. Mm. Um, so it, it became an obsession as such. Mm. Um, and then when you realised that you were actually quite good at it, you had to. Um, two seconds there, Donald. Sorry, yeah. when, when you were when you realised that you were quite good at it, that you realised that you had an opportunity and it was something that I always wanted to do as, yeah. as, as, a, as a young kid. If somebody had told me the maximum amount of money that I could have earned would have been £100 a week being a footballer.
2: Yeah.
1: You would have still have wanted to have done it yeah. um, because you just loved the game and it was something that was so important mm. to you.
0: And how did you get into, what was your steps then from you know playing with your mates and going into almost a pro
1: club setup or, or something? How did you
0: get into that?
1: The kind of pathway that I took, Donald. We like to say I played with my boys' club, um, Aberdeen Boys' Club, from a young age. um, Played with the school. You would then. I think I was maybe back then. You used to always get letters through your door, yeah, inviting you to come and train with certain clubs. So you get letters from 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 Celtic and believe it or not, from a really young age. I think I was nine and I was at Hibs as a young as a young player. And it was Brian Ewan and Martin right. Ferguson that were our coaches. Yeah. Um, and, and Brian Ewan and Martin Ferguson, who obviously is Sir Alex's brother, yeah. they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant people, brilliant coaches. And and we used to train with them on a Monday and a Thursday night. Yeah. Um and in the Easter holidays, the October week and in the summer holidays, they'd put like summer camps up. Yeah.
2: Um
1: and my boys club was quite a decent size. So I think there was about 10 of for the boys club that went and for different different age groups. And that was brilliant. So that mm. was my, I would say from nine, I was in a professional club. Yeah. But it mm. wasn't, it wasn't you, you hadn't signed with that club or anything. Mm. You, you would just go and train and it was brilliant. It was, everything was technical. There, yeah. wasn't, there was nothing that wasn't working, that wasn't um, technical based training, which, mm. which was great. Um, so that had a big impact on you and then um, I then progressed through, so I was, again, still playing your boys club, but mm. I, I think I was under maybe th- 13s or 14s um, when the kind of boys club football stopped mm. and became like Scottish amateur or mm. like, kind of pro youth in um, Celtic, were every summer Celtic were on the phone for me to go mm. in and, and the, believe it or not, the scout that took me to Celtic was, was Paul McStay's dad. Right. John McStay yes. and Hugh McGovern who's now my kit man with the reserves. So Celtic was, was 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 a place that I went from maybe again, I got asked if I was nine I would go to tournaments, but I went there maybe when I was when I was fourteen and that was you starting then on the, the progression to, to to go. What was it like then to get involved
0: with Celtic, being a, a
1: big Celtic fan at that age? It was great, Donald. It was it was it was terrific. It was a big, big thing, even putting on the jersey for the first time. Mm. Um but probably, I was very fortunate at a time because, I again, going back to inf- like mm. talking about influences, my dad probably has had the biggest influence mm. in my career, Donald, that anybody's ever had. Yeah. At a young age at 12, 13, 14, that's when the club started wanting to sign you.
2: Yeah.
1: And back then, I think it was S-forms that, so, yeah. Hibs would want me to sign an S-form, Celtic would want me to sign an S-form at the time, but it wasn't something that my dad ever allowed me to do, which was terrific, because what that allowed you then to do from, I think I was maybe 12 years of age, is when you're kind of one of the better players in the country at that age group, and there's different scouts for different clubs. So there was English clubs started yeah. kind of sniffing about, and because I hadn't signed an S form, I was able to go to, I was able to go down to Everton, Man City, Aston Villa, Newcastle, yeah. as well as Celtic, Hibs, and a yeah. lot of teams up here, which was great. Whereas if you had assigned for one club, yeah, we'd miss out and going to see these different different yeah. clubs, which I think again, what's I, I was maybe fifteen when they, I remember saying to my dad, coming down the stairs one night and saying, "Dad, look, I'm, I'm, I think I've made up my mind. I know who I want to sign for, and I want to sign for Celtic." So if I didn't have that influence, influential yeah. figure, of a father that I had, I would have maybe have jumped too soon yeah. into a club that maybe wasn't right because my family supported the club or yeah. whatever. But my dad was very, very stubborn and, and, and saying, look, you, you make sure you see different clubs to, to make up the opinion of where you want to go. Because I'm a big believer in, Donald, if you're not comfortable in the environment yeah. you work in, you're not going to develop at the rate that, 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 that you should. How important,
0: Stephen, do you think it is to, to have you know, a, a right kind of positive, strong influence at that age, especially, you know, uh, 12 to 14 to help you develop your game. you know, you had your dad, and, yeah. you know, and um, how important do you think that is? I, th- I think it's
1: one of the main factors, I think, is honesty and trust, Donald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I see it now, even when, when, when I've come through, and now I'm on the opposite side and I'm on the coaching side, yeah. coming through all the way as a young player, through boys' club, through pro youth teams and whatnot, mm-hmm. I think parents have such a pivotal role in, in the development of the young player. Um, I don't think they can put too much pressure on them. I think they need to let them breathe. They need to, they need to let them find their own way, their own path, their jobs to guide them. Um, and I, I was lucky enough that I had that. as, as and My dad, he was never one mm-hmm. that would stand. And sometimes I look at a lot of parents and my experiences over the years with it they congregate yeah. together, they all stand in the one corner, they all say, oh, what? they basically want to suck information out of each yeah. other, yeah. because they want to know that their boys, not getting treated poorly by the club, yeah. clubs don't treat the boys
2: yeah.
1: poorly that way, it's just an added pressure that gets put on, that comes from the parents, my dad was never that type, yeah. he always watched the game himself, he always, but he was, he could bite your bottom dollar, he was my harshest critic, as soon as we went into the car, yeah. but again, he was always, he was, he was very. He, he trusted the coaches to do their job. He wasn't a coach. He played the game at junior level, and so he had a very good idea in the game. But he was. He always seemed to say the right things at the right time. And I remember because it's a really difficult journey, Donald. Yeah. And I think that's. I think it's so under. People realize they don't realize the sacrifice, the dedication, yeah. the hard work that, that has to go into it, yeah. and the knocks that young players take.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, even in this situation just now, for me the the biggest, the, the the biggest attribute you can have as a young player is resilience. Yeah. Um. It's, there's 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 no doubt, and you only you only get resilience, you only build resilience when things don't go your way, and it's how you act from that. Um. So again, I never had I never had parents that constantly told me how great I was, yeah. or that that I was going to, it was just going to be a walk in the park. I remember breaking down at seventeen, maybe.
2: Yeah.
1: In my mum and dad's living room because. At that point, Martin O'Neill had took over at Celtic. I was yeah. playing at the youth team. I was the captain of the youth team. I was one of the main players. And John Robertson and Steve Walford came to watch us play against Livingston. And we got beat 5-6-2, or six too, which was a disaster for Celtic. And I remember breaking down in my mum dad's living room, saying, like, I'm, I'm not good enough for this. Um, and that was a real pivotal moment because I then, I knew I was, I, I felt as if the pressures and everything had just got so much.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I didn't know how to, I, I didn't know what the, the, the coping mechanism was. Um, and I had my parents there, they kind of put you on the, but on the, just to give you that belief. And then if I never had that support network, probably at that moment, I would never have went on to have been as successful as what I became. That's superb. And
0: I, I was thinking as you were speaking, you must have, you know, a great relationship with your parents there. And especially, at, you know, that teenage years, because to trust them, to be patient at that age is huge as well, isn't it? Because you know, the impulses is, is there to jump at anything really.
1: Even when you, when you become a parent yourself, Donald, yeah. you know I know what it's like when, when my, one of my daughters come in from school and they've maybe not had a great day at school yeah. and they're upset or they're at dancing or, or, or netball and, and it doesn't go their way. and The easiest people to blame is the coach. Yes, yeah. it's, it's the easiest thing to do. Um, because it's it's like a dagger through your heart when you see your own children getting upset so when I look back and, 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 and at that moment where, where, where I had self-doubt had creaked into myself yeah. to say I'm not good enough I'm not ready for this the last thing that my parents would, would ever have done would have been straight on the phone to, to, to Tommy Burns as the Academy Director yeah. to Willie McStay and Kenny McDowell yeah. my coaches and Chris McCart to say what are you doing wrong it's... Yeah ultimately it lay with me and I knew that I had to work even harder and make so many and this was normal Donald I think I think setbacks in sport is the only thing that you can guarantee. Um, I think that's a
0: a great story you know because you know I I see so many young players and just young people in general that think that the self-doubt they shouldn't have the self-doubt or they shouldn't have the vulnerability when something goes against them and of course that's that's just normal, isn't it? It's what you do next and how you come through
1: it. And, key. I, and again, I think, it's, I remember I remember speaking to Gordon Stratton a few, oh God, a, a few years, but it's always kind of stuck with me. I think, he, I think he was in charge of the national team at the same time and and, and, and he texted me, I meant for a coffee just to, for a catch-up. Um, and I said that, I asked him, because I knew I was wanting to go down the coaching route as such, and I asked him, like, what's... What's the best? What, what have you found the best thing about coaching and, and management and it's and all the times that he's won games and you would just expect them to rhyme off these kind of moments yeah. and he actually says it's building relationships with people and yeah. it's, it says it's the best the best feeling in the world when you get an ex player that still wants to text you or phone you for advice or and there's that relate really, I think having some sort of mentor is so important, Donald yeah. um, and again I had that one. We, we we Kenny McDowell as a young player and Wally McStay and Chris McCap all the coat, they were always there for you yeah. um, because as you say self doubt is absolutely normal in yeah. in sport especially in in football um, it's because you don't believe I, I remember even my the night before I played in the ch- my, my Champions League uh, debut and I remember thinking saying that there's no way that I can play at this level because I've sat. Watch Man United won the treble in '99. You've, yeah. you've always watched the Champions League music. Something that's been yeah. s- such an important part of your life. And now you're, the next night you're going to be the one that's going to be in that environment. It's, yeah. but then you, you trust your experience and you trust the hours that the hard work that you've put yeah. in, and it only that prepares you for that moment. Donald, and I, I'm yeah. a big believer in that. If you prepare for that moment, whenever that moment come, might come, you will be ready for it. Yeah. I love. I think that is
0: so true Steven. I, mean, I love the Muhammad Ali. Someone asked Muhammad Ali years ago, you know, when he was starting almost, like, how could he be so confident? And he says, "How can I? How can I lose with what I use?" And Angel Dundee would say, first person in
1: the gym, last person out." Yeah. Absolutely. And you, 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 don't. You, you've got. You've got, the hardest part. And this is again where resilience has to come in because you've got no idea as a young player when that opportunity is mm-hmm. going to come you've got no idea you might be you might be the best goal scorer under 15, 16, mm-hmm. 17 18s at whatever club you're at but you might have end up having the best the best player that the country's ever produced or the best player yeah. the club's ever had is the number nine how are you going to get them out how are you going to so you need to have that drive you might need to leave the club to go somewhere else it's, it's... but you need to be resilient but that moment will come. That yeah. moment will come. He'll pick up an injury at some point, or the opportunity for him to move on will will, will will arise, and then you're thrust into that limelight. But if you're not prepared for that moment, and preparing for the moment as how dedicated you are to your profession, yeah. the hours yeah. that you put in is, is 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 what's going to separate you from from yeah. other people and your and your, your young t- We
0: you always? Kind of as disciplined in your preparation and your focus, even coming through, the coming through the ages.
1: I would, I would say that was probably my biggest strength, Donald. Mm. I was as as a young player. I, I never drank. I, I had my first alcoholic drink when I was twenty two, maybe mm. twenty three, which is is late on because i I didn't want I didn't want my opportunity to. Mm. I didn't want to be one of the players that that. You could have said what a, what a good part. he yeah. was, what a great one. you yeah. But I'm I'm listening to a lot of podcasts and whatnot just now. Donald and, yeah. and and the psychology side of the game, and a lot of people talk about the uh, you, you shouldn't have a fear or something yeah. as such because you can never really get to your full potential. Fear of making a mistake. What drove me on was a fear of failure. Believe it or not, Donald. Yeah. I- as a young yeah. kid, I did not want to be one that got tarred with the big brush of being released from Celtic. I didn't yeah. want to get released. Um, and again, there were so many Celtic... I think when you're young, you're very impressionable. Yeah. The people that are maybe a year or two older than you yeah. start to think, there's no way I can be as good as them. There's no way. Yeah. So that's when, and before you know it, you start to see them doing certain things that, that maybe you don't agree when you think, yeah. I'm not going to do what they're doing because straight away that gives you an added advantage. Um, I was always looking for different ways where I could get a, a slight advantage in the person next to me.
0: I think that, it, from an early age, I, mean, I think that, and you know, I've known and worked with a lot of, kind of young players coming through. And, and what you've said there is, I think, is what differentiates people that really make it a lot of the time than those don't. Because I'm sure it's the same in other countries, but, you know, certainly in Scotland, I think there's there has been... Uh, almost that thing to be oh well I'm not wanting to be that different to not drinking I'll go at least I'll go with my mates a wee bit or I'll go you know and just be one of the guys or one of the boys is a strong tool.
1: Uh, absolutely Donald and that's I had I, I've still got the same mates that I went to school with and at 15-16 there was parties in the in houses there was parties in the, in the but I, I was always training. I always wanted to go to training because I knew that was the, yeah. I knew that was the, the the pathway that I wanted to take, and it was, it was something that was again probably installed in me from a, a young age, yeah. you know, from my from my parents, from the upbringing that I had. But I think you can only get out of something what you put in. And yeah. if if I was going to fail as a footballer, I wanted to make sure that I I would fail giving it absolutely everything. Yeah. Um, I was I was a good player when I was when I when I was younger, Donald, absolutely, because that's you don't get a Celtic if you're not a good player. Yeah. I wasn't the best. I was I was but I was not the best player. Um but we when I look back at the players that have been so successful in the last 15 to 20 years at Celtic yeah. that have come through the academy and even I include that now we with, with James Forrest and Carl McGregor, everybody's got the same dedication to their profession, uh, different level, levels of ability. But the sacrifices and the dedication and the hunger that all the all the all the players had was was what separated them and, and made them successful. And and then when you you then become like a kind international player and you sit and you realise it's the same conversations that everybody has because yeah. you've managed to use of that group of players of being the they're the elite in the country yeah. and they've got the exact same principles, the exact same messages, the the exact same um, problems that they faced as young. Young people, but instead of blaming, they look for ways to solve these problems.
0: And I think that's when you take that a problem or a challenge and can flick it over to think, How am I going to solve it? You know, that's what makes the difference, even. And, and you had that and have that. And it's like the Van Persie clip, I'm sure yeah. you've seen when he, he said exactly the same to his son, didn't he? Don't blame people,
1: yeah, absolutely, because it's, it's the easiest thing in the world to do, Donald. You know, you the amount of times, even as I've tripped over a curb and I'm the first thing I say, to my wife is. I know. Hi. It's it's not the curb's fault. The curb's. I know. But and, and then you turn and it's and it's so difficult when you meet your own children because they're the exact same every day. I try trying to look. Don't don't blame them if, if if you just need to keep working hard at whatever yeah. you're trying to do. But. We're, we're terrible in our country for a blame culture, and and when things don't go well, it's it's always somebody else's fault. So I always try and take responsibility of what's the solution. What can I do to make myself better? That's that's just how how what how I try and work things. And what coaches when you, when you were playing in the first team in Celtic and
0: going forward, what coaches really influenced how you played the game?
1: Stephen. So I would. Again, when I look back, I had, we had a brilliant education at, at Celtic coming through. So uh, my youth team coaches were was a guy called Tommy O'Neill, Willie McStay, mm. um, Chris McCart, mm. Kenny McDowell and Danny McGrain. were the reserve coaches. Mm. Tam Burn, Tommy Burns was the, the academy director at the time. So it's each, each coach had different strengths and weaknesses and were probably perfect for each stage of our development at that time, Willie at the under 18s with Willie and Chris and, and, and Tom O'Neill were, the, the, everything was technical, it was terrific, really, really good, very similar to Brian Ewan, and Tommy Burns had a big influence on, on, on that as well. Um, then I then developed through into the reserves, and I would say at that point probably Kenny McDowell had the biggest influence yeah. on me because he was perfect to bridge the gap between youth team football and first team yeah. football. So the dynamics completely changed. The dynamics changed in a way where he was more ruthless in how he spoke. Mm-hmm. He was more demanding, mm-hmm. um, and he prepared you for men's football. Whether that men's football was going to be at Celtic or whether it was going to be somewhere else, even just his demeanour, it was it was so he, aggressive, but in a really really good way. No, not you knew where the boundaries were straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kenny was perfect. Kenny and Danny McGrain, brilliant balance with mm-hmm. it. Um, so Kenny was perfect to, 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 to bridge that gap between a youth team and a, and a first team. Yeah. And the manager at the time, had, when, when Martin O'Neill was, was, when I was in the reserve, Martin had just come in and Martin was a manager. Yeah. Donald, he was his he's, he's assistant manager, John Robertson, Steve Walford, his coach, Robert, uh, Steve Walford, really good coach, but Martin was a manager. So mm. it was, It was. he managed people, he was very demanding. So that's why Kenny McDowell's role, when I look back, my career was so important. Mm. Um, and then Gordon came in, obviously, and again, it was preparing for that moment. I had no idea that Gordon was going to come in and, and take a shine to a lot of us at that mm. time, but he did, but it was probably, again, it was because of the hard work that all the coaches that I had worked with as a young age, the habits that they had put into us, Gordon was impressed with all of us because of what work ethic was right, and then he then educated us that wee bit more again on on the tactical aspect of the game. But again, it was it was it was our dedication to our profession, our humility, what how hard that we worked on a daily basis, and that was all down to the upbringing for the coaches that
2: we had. Yeah, brilliant.
1: And what would you
0: say when you look back on your playing days? what do you, th- what you say you your highlights what do you what do you hold in your mind as that was really special for you personally
1: I think when even when I look every trophy that I won at Celtic Donald my debut was was mm-hmm. such a a, a, a a monumental thing for, mm-hmm. for my family and then it's it's funny because there's almost football almost becomes like a kind of drug as yes. such as I would have been happy playing at Celtic once mm-hmm. but when you then do it once, your mindset then changes. You don't want to just play for I had looked at it then and thought, there's so many players that have played for Celtic that have come through the academy that have maybe played five or six times and then they disappear into the sunset. They move yeah. somewhere else, you never see them again. So I wanted then more of it. And I thought, what do I need to do to then make this? I will set my challenges of trying to go to 25 games and 50 games then 100 games and then... Before, I remember when Gordon first came in um, and I'd been a first team player for two years but I, I was never a regular under Martin O'Neill but Gordon came in and I, I, I started playing the first couple of games of the season and I remember that as a Celtic player the first thing that you do when the fixture list comes out you look to see when you're going to play Rangers that's, that's the f- a natural kind of occurrence which is, which is great because it's the games that you can't wait to play in but I, I looked at that game for a different reason I looked at it and I thought, if I can stay in the team in this game, oh, yeah. I'll know that Gordon trusts me, if, he'll trust me 100% if he puts me in at Ibrox, yeah. and, and it was maybe six or seven games into the season, and, and, and that was me, I stayed in the, the team in that game, I played that game, and that was me off and running. Um, so they were proud moments, and then the first time, again, get back to represent your country, mm-hmm. The first time I represented my country standing and in in, in, in singing the National Anthem, when the music's going, it's amazing At Hamden, that I've said this so many times to people is that they, it's 50,000, you've got everybody going crazy. Yeah. Everybody's supporting you and the people that you can see are your family. Yeah. And it's a wonderful one. So you almost feel as if all the hard work that your family have put in. My dad, my two papas took me the full length and breadth of the country. Yeah. And you can see you can see your family singing the national yeah. anthem, which that's when you realise you're giving something back, Donald. Everything yeah. has everything's been worth it. Yeah. And that was that was how I was.
0: I get the impression, Stephen, you never ever took took anything for granted in terms of playing football.
1: No, Donald, I made my debut at twenty-one, which yeah. was like my era growing up was there was myself, there was John Kennedy, Sean Maloney, Liam Miller, um, top, top young players. <laughs> Just below us was, was 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 Craig Beatty and David Marshall, Ross Wallace, and McGeady. So there was a real, real core group, maybe about four or five years. But all the boys made their debut. Maybe John made his debut at 16. Sean made his debut at 17. Um, I, I made my debut at 21. So I felt as if I had to work that wee bit harder. And everybody de- develops at different rates. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't want to be the... I was never too concerned about being the first one there I can almost want it to be the last one to leave yeah um because that I I wasn't as physically developed that I wasn't a central defender when I was younger so I felt as if I was learning a new position all the time um and my moment came at 21 so because I was late on getting that moment I didn't want to give it up and I wanted to I wanted to play as many games as I possibly could and that's why I, I, I When I look back to the moves that I'd made, even coming back to Motherwell, and I wanted to play, I wanted to maximise everything I had because I knew it was going to be a short career, and I felt I had lost a lot of games, if you like, in my career because I hadn't made my debut till 21, but it was because you were at Celtic, Um, and that was the way I looked at it. Rightly or wrongly, that was my my pathway.
0: And did you always set yourself... Because I think that, personally, I think it's a great way to do it when you set yourself little short-term goals the whole time like you did there very instinctively said yeah. if i can keep, stay in the team till rangers that
1: means he trusts me and i'm sure there'll be an, another
0: goal after yeah.
2: that
1: absolutely and, and it was as it's, it's a center half you're not going to set goal you're not going to set challenges to say you're going to score 30 goals a yes. season donald it's not going to be it's it's going to be my goals i used to set was in the close season example i I wanted to make sure I was training. I was, I was always looking because I didn't want somebody to take my place. I think you need to, you need to, uh, you need to have aspirations. Again, it's going back to the fear of failure as such. Yeah. At that age, maybe it's not a, fa- a a failure as such, but it's always looking who's behind you. Can you keep make sure they constantly stay behind you? Who's in front of you? How do you get? So when I broke through at Celtic as a young kid, I looked at the, I looked at Bobo Baldy, Johan Mialbe. I and I thought, "How can I get in the? How do, how do I get in that team? How do I get them out? What's what's it going to be to get them out? I need to move them out. How do I do that? But at the same time, I need to make sure that the younger players that were in my position below me, your Dan the Days, your Charlie McGrews, how did I how did I make sure that they didn't overtake me? Um, so I was always I, I, I was I, I never felt contented, and I always felt as if I had if, if you weren't moving, if you were standing still, you were getting overtaken. I think that I think you taught yourself.
0: When I'm listening to you speaking, to you at a very early age, that that I, well, I suppose it's a it's a tenant of high performance. You have to deal with pressure and not you know not wanting to fail or not wanting to let yourself down. You were able to transfer it then into doing something about it, yep. and that's the difference between someone that can perform at a high level and someone that can be all right, but. They don't know how to deal with the pressure to think, well, I don't want this, or I'm scared of that, and they don't know what to do. But you always could
1: make a plan. You try to, I think what helps in in doing that, Donald, is the culture that has been created and the environment that you're in. Um, When you then come through at a club like Celtic and at big clubs, the boys that are around you are very very similar to yourself when you get to the first team and you get to the, they're very similar so without even realizing that you guys are pushing each other
2: yeah
1: Sean Maloney's the best trainer I've, I've, I've ever, ever seen in my career Donald he was he was unbelievable and I, one of the best players I played with a brilliant guy somebody who I've got so much time for even just now so you were inspired by your colleagues as well. You didn't want to let them down. You knew that if they were working as hard as what you were, as they were working, you wanted something with that. Whereas I think if there was maybe a culture of, if you had a culture where people almost try to ridicule the ones that, yeah. that, 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 that were working hard, and I think that happens at the younger age groups. I think yeah. that can happen at, at 15, 16, because sometimes it's cooler yeah. not, to be, yeah. not to work hard. Whereas if you can then have the opposite culture and you can insp- you can almost humiliate the people that don't work hard,
2: yeah.
1: I think that's what I think that's when people start to fall off the bandwagon because I don't think it's I think it's the hardest thing in sport is to really work hard, Donald.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah. it's it's
1: can you work as hard as you can when there's nobody yeah. hanging over you?
2: Yeah,
1: and that's that's this that separates good for great. That's what I've no doubt Andy Murray works yeah. just as hard when there's nobody watching him is what he does when there's somebody watching him. And that's the difference for me between getting to the top of your profession and just being able I think
0: uh, when you were speaking there, I was. I remember it must have been one of uh, Chris Hoy's last races uh, for the Olympics when he. it was a relay goal he got. And they spoke to him after, and he spoke to what you were saying specifically. He said, I was coming round that last lap and I've never felt pain in my legs like it. And that's from a guy, you know, the size of his legs and his thing. And he said, then I, I didn't want like exactly what you said. He said I didn't want to let the boys down. Aye, and he that, found something else from somewhere. You
1: know? It's something that I find fascinating, Donald. I've I've always found this and I would love to I would I would love to go and watch individual sports probably more because as as part of a team it's brilliant to be part of a team and win something as a team because you feel valued you feel as if you've brought something to a team but on the on the flip side of that i had so many poor games throughout my career and we probably still won so you can still you can still feel good about yourself because the team has won but if you're in that individual i think these guys golfers tennis players cyclists for the guys like it's athletes that it's because when we talk about self doubt, self doubt ultimately will creep in. Yeah. I've got another ten guys that can help me out. But these yeah. these 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 guys and girls that are the individual athletes, they're just the buck lies with them. So how do they get to the top? It's 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 their mindset, it's them it's their mentality, it's if they've got a sore hamstring, they'll go and see a, a physio. If mentally they don't feel right, what do they do? So they need to go and speak to them because yeah. it's it's everything relies on Relies on them. Their own drive. I think that shows a great curiosity about other
0: sports and what we can learn as well. So even tennis, I've been involved in, and I used to live in Wimbledon for years, so I, I got to see a lot of them. And the amazing thing about, say, the likes of Andy Murray, and in tennis, you have to win the game. You can't, you know, you can't run the clock out. Yep. You know, so it's just as you said, that incredible determination and. Um, drive coming within yourself. How important though, within, say, football, or do you think relationships
1: are then within your teammates and, and coach to play uh, it? I'm, I'm, I'm noticing now how important, probably even more so now that I've gone I've, I've into the coaching side of the game, mm-hmm. just how important relationships are, relationships with players, with staff members, with colleagues, with, with board members, um, it's crucial, before I started, Donald, I, I, when I started coaching, it was, everything was about distances. I had to make sure that my size in hey, hey, yeah. my, hey, my drill was, it had to be 10 yards, no 9 yards. If it was 9 yards, I couldn't function because I, I, I feel as if I've got OCD. Everything has to yeah. be perfect. It's got to be, and again, it's just how I am. Yeah. But it's relationships with people that are the most important. Um, yeah. And that's, it's, it's how to build these relationships. It's it's recognising and understand what that individual needs. Does he need to sit down and go through his clips? Do you need to then be positive? Do you need to be negative with him? Do you need to show things that are going to make him feel better? I think when you feel good about yourself, I think you perform at your at your at your best. Um, and and that's when I look at Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill was a he was a fantastic motivator, and he seemed to say the right thing at the right time to everybody. Um, I only shot, spent a short period of time in in, in Brendan Rogers' company. Um and, and Brendan seemed to have a brilliant mannerism with everybody at, 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 the, at the football club. So I think that's really important. When I look back to my own experiences with the coaches, I always felt as if at any point in time I could have picked up the phone. I remember I was in a car accident when I was when I was younger in in the motorway. Um nothing serious anything, yeah. but my mum and dad were actually away on holiday. And The first person I picked up the phone to was Kenny McDowell. He said, What do you do? Yeah, that's it's a sign,
2: isn't it?
1: Yeah. When I look back now, it's out with my parents. I never phoned an aunt or an uncle, my grandparents, yeah. and I phoned, I phoned Kenny to say, What do you do? And yeah. the first thing Kenny said was, Look, are you all right to play the night? Yeah. And, I, and I, <laughs> it's, maybe I've, it's certainly one of your players. Asked that when they asked them if they were all right to play. That that was was the relationship that I thought, when I'm on the other side of it now, you want the players to be able to trust. And I think trust is such an important aspect to sport.
0: How have you found making that transition from playing to coaching then? What did you find... Did you find it challenging? Did, did you find it was useful to be to play at such a high level for for such oh, a long
1: time? When I look back at my career, Donald, I think I was 29, 30 when my wife and kids came back up the road from Middlesbrough. Um, I had already started my B licence at this point um, and I always felt coaching was going to be the next kind of progression. For whatever reason, people always seem to have a bit of time for me in the game whether it was players, teammates, coaches, managers, you have your your disagreements with certain people, which is fine, but they always had a bit of time for you. Mm. Um, So I was at Middlesbrough at the time, that age, 29, 30, kids were up the road, wife was up the road, I would finish training, I would be in for nine o'clock, I'd finish at three, four, probably stayed longer than what you probably needed to because you didn't want to go home, I didn't want to go and watch a box set, I didn't want to... Mm. And I felt as if I was at an age where I wanted to learn. It was a fantastic academy at Middlesbrough at the time. So I went to the academy director. Um, it was a guy called Dave Parnaby, who was a brilliant guy. Real, real, real mm. good. Genuine guy. And I asked him if I could help out with some of the academy teams. And he say to me, look, that would be great, Stephen. Nobody's, the only kind of people that have done that have been people that have come through the, the academy themselves at Middlesbrough. Mm. So he was terrific. So that kind of got me on the, on the coaching ladder. And that kind of got me the the bug and and then I was I I went through a period at Middles where I wasn't playing and I asked Tony Mowbray if I wasn't going to be playing or on the bench could I then not travel with the team so that I could go with under 16s at the time but whenever he needed me to train and uh, and play I would always be there so I thought I was 30 I didn't want to go all the way down and get left out which I never was and he was brilliant Um, but I knew then that I wanted to to kind of go down the coaching route so it was I would, I would maybe take training twice a week 29, 30 I help with under 16s a guy called Paul Jenkins who was a lead coach and I just assisted him and I learned a great deal then when I came back to model, I wanted to make sure that I was playing week in, week out but I was desperate to take the under 17s yeah. and the 16s and I started doing that so I had I'd almost planned and, and prepared for that kind of journey and I wanted as soon as I'd finished my career whenever that was going to be I wanted to make sure my badges were done I wanted to have done my a license, my B license, my youth license, my pro license. Mm. I always had that in my mind. Um, Stephen Robinson then came to Motherwell, and and I think that again probably is one who had a real influence on my mm. career as a coach, along with a lot of other people. Um, and he asked me to join his staff. Mm. So I, I was injured at the time. I had torn my groin. Um, just coming back, I still had a year left playing, but I knew that. And to be fair to robot's as soon as he get the caretaker job he says if I get the job permanently this is what I'm going to do and he was true to his word yeah. um, so I come home to my wife and I says look I think I'm going to retire tomorrow
2: mm-hmm.
1: and she was kind of like it was a complete bolt for the blue because I was yeah. 34 I was going to be 35 uh, the next week but I just felt it was the right time yeah. I think when 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 I, I didn't want to drop down, I didn't want to drop down and play in the championship, yeah. which I probably could have for another two or three seasons yeah. minimum, because I was I looked after myself, but mentally I was ready to take, yeah. and I also felt as if, if I could control my destiny, yeah. it would be easier to deal with mentally, because yeah. I think it's a big, big challenge, isn't it? and I see it yeah. with, with some of my own ex-teammates, and teammates, when the time comes that you need yeah. to retire, I wanted to retire in my terms, Yeah. Um, and there's no way that I could have, get the job that i was doing i'm doing at celtic now if i hadn't have prepared for that journey you must have always had
0: a, a humility to learn see, because i remember it must have been a few years ago when you did the b license yep. and i asked a question about how confident everyone were with their co- something like their coaching knowledge and as most people do most people say seven or eight you know yep. people say right, seven eight and i remember you said about four
1: I, and I took it as a great sign of your humility to learn. You I, know, you I've, weren't. I've always, I've always looked at it being playing and coaching as two yeah. completely different things, Donald. It's, it's because when you're a player, you go on that grass pitch, everything's set up, and you just go and yeah. do what's natural to you. Yeah. Um, when you go into the coaching side, it's I've, 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 I've thought, well, I want to learn again. That's mm. why I'm, I'm very ambitious, and I know where I want to get to, but I'm not in a rush to get there. Um, I've, I've got, like I said, ex-teammates and good friends of mine. I've went down the management route straight away, and everybody's completely different. Mm. But I'm trying to gain as much kind of knowledge as I possibly can and learn for different. But and again, it's come back to relationships. I've yeah. learned, I've, I've 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 built up a, a good network of people that that if you need anything, you can pick up the phone and mm. and I think that's important in, in coaching because you're you're learning all the time. You're learning mm. on the pitch, you're learning off the pitch, and that's just the way I'm as a person. That I'm 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 not in a rush to, to to jump straight in because I want to make sure that I'm I'm, I'm well equipped i well equipped to do that. Yeah. I was talking yeah. to Mark McGee about this a while ago, and Mark had said to me, "He you 'You're never you're never ready to be a manager. You're never so. Yeah. You're better just taking the plunge.'" Yeah. Which I, I I thought was a great bit of advice, but for me, it's been the opposite. I'm wanting I'm wanting to learn off as many people as I possibly can, and I also really enjoy. I love being in the grass coaching, I really enjoy trying to make the kind of younger players better. Do you think then, because it's not that long ago you were playing, and saying, yeah. do you
0: think, can you see the game changing in any way now that you're a coach and involved in, in, in developing players?
1: I think there's definitely a there's our job, our, our, our job as coaches is to make players better every single day. Can they be better than what they were the day before? So we try and put we need whatever it is. We need to make them better to give the manager whatever, whatever club you're at, what he wants to put the players in. Um, but you're also trying to educate the boys in life as well, because yeah. not every, not every player at under eighteen level, not every player at reserve level, wherever you're going to be, is going to be a professional football. Yeah. But you want them to make, you want them to become good people. You want to educate them on life so that something might happen. You think. I've, 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 you're trying to guide people on the right path and I think that's what coaching is I think a lot of coaching probably your, your best coaching that you'll do probably takes place in an in a, a, in a analysis room or in a corridor because it's, it's you want to see how people are really feeling how they're really doing because if somebody says how are you doing oh, I'm doing great it could be in the middle of lockdown their wife might have left them they might have yeah. splurped but they'll still turn around and say I'm fine Oh, I are they really doing how you and you can only get that by building relationships? okay And it has been
0: brilliant speaking to you, Stephen. If you had just to finish, with, if you had any advice for a young player coming through now, based on your experience and A, what you're seeing as a coach at the highest level, what would be some pointers you would give to a young player in today's world?
1: Definitely never be embarrassed to work hard, never be embarrassed to work harder than the guy next to whoever you're you're working with. Um, and, and, and don't be ashamed to want to be the best that you can possibly be and always, always, always do as much individual stuff as you possibly can always, and there's no such thing as a, as a stupid question to ask and, and do extra, do as much extra as you possibly can whether that's analysing your game watching the first team play the, posi- the, the guy in the position that you're playing with or who your play- your, plays in your position um, and be as dedicated as you possibly can be, because if if it doesn't work out, whatever, whatever club you're at, somebody will always will always take an opportunity, and somebody that's got a brilliant work ethic. Brilliant! Some great advice, here and
0: I really appreciate
2: you taking the the time to speak to me this morning, Stephen. No problem. To Tom, you. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Cheers.